This is a Hot Pie Original. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Inhumane Podcast, a Hot Pie Media Original. And we are here with episode 13. And today, um, I'm going to kind of talk about how your taxpayer money may be paying for some traffickers at the U.S.-Mexico border. That should totally light your fire and saying, what? I'm paying for a pimp? It's quite possible. So let's get started. My my big question to kind of start us off is, are there any limits that a mother, a father, guardian has when it comes to giving like their kid the world? Right. Um, I think most people will say, no, I'll do whatever it takes to give my kid the best kind of life. Um, yeah, and 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 are you wrong, right? You're not wrong for for wanting to give your kid more than what you had, and to give your children the best opportunity possible, right? And so, I I wonder though, do you have any moral limits, right? Do you is there something you're like, oh, that's a little too far. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. And it makes me think of I'm sure some of you is like all over media and tabloids for the past uh, two years, I think now, maybe three. Um, Lori Laughlin, she was on one of my favorite shows growing up, uh, Full House. She was Aunt Becky. And um, she, her and her husband, along with uh, the other famous actress, Felicity Hoffman, um, they got busted because they paid for their children to get into university which is a, right, it's a, it's a big no-no. So her and her husband, um, actually, specifically with Lori, um, she paid $500,000, right? So like almost half a million dollars or half a million dollars for her daughters to get into USC, the University of Southern California. So it was like a big scandal, um, a TV show that she was on. They kind of removed her from that or a couple of TV shows. Actually, they completely removed her um, because, right, it just didn't look right. It was bad. Um, she is she did get convicted, her and her husband. Um, so now they actually have felonies. Um, but I always say the felonies for the rich and famous look very different than felonies for, you know, for you and I, right? <laughs> like those felonies on our record look very different and they feel very different. But regardless, her and her husband, they still have some, uh, they, they got penalized for that. Um, her husband actually was like sentenced to five months in prison and he had to pay like 250,000 and then he'll be on, um, like supervised release for like two years. And she got the same in regards to like a two year supervision. Um, I don't know if she actually went to, to prison, like Felicity Huffman or jail. She was in jail for like 11 days and she hasn't spoken out about it at all. But um, Lori Hoffman or Laughlin, sorry. She, um, uh, let me tell you what she said. Um, so I quote, I went along with a plan to give my daughters an unfair advantage in the college admissions process. Uh, in doing so, I ignored my intuition and I allowed myself to be swayed from my moral compass. I thought I was acting out of love for my children, but in reality, it only undermined and diminished my daughter's abilities and accomplishments. 
Now, uh, I want to tell you what the judge said. Okay, this is the U.S. District Judge Nathaniel Gorton, and he's addressing both uh, Lori Laughlin and her husband. Um, and he said that one, he described her her as a fairy tale life. Okay, and I quote. Yet you stand before me a convicted felon. And for what? To have whatever prestige and instant gratification that comes from being able to show off the admission of your daughters to a preferred university. And he's telling her husband, you certainly did know better. Right. Because they're kind of saying, like, I just didn't know. I didn't know the magnitude or whatever. Um, And then the judge continues to say, you're not stealing bread to feed your family. You have no excuses for your crime, and that makes it all more blameworthy. So the judge says you're not stealing bread to feed your family, right? Um, obviously, he's 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 trying to make a he's trying to make a point, and uh, right, you kind of agree with that point because you're like, seriously, y'all paid five hundred grand to get your kid into a university that I'm sure she was probably going to get into anyway, or. You know, another university, maybe not that one. Um, you probably don't have problems paying for the university like majority of individuals, right? So we're probably there's probably a lot of eye rolling. Uh, but let's let's not um let's be real. A lot of people are shaking their fingers at them, right? And like, shame on you, that's a disgrace, blah, 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 blah. But this judge, he's saying, like, hey, you didn't do this to steal, like you didn't steal to feed your family. This is like a very luxury kind of uh, felony, if you will. And so that makes me wonder, right? And I made that connection with the what's happening down at the US-Mexico border, where you have all of these unaccompanied minor children uh coming coming across. And it's a huge political conversation, right? People from all sides have comments. People are going to the border, looking and seeing what's actually really happening. Um, And so it was 2014 and I worked for an organization where they had 24 um, our shelters for these unaccompanied minors. Um, and in 2014 was a really big influx of unaccompanied minors, so much so that my husband and I both worked there and we were deployed. Like we did not live in our home or even in the state of Texas for a couple of months more. My husband uh, was there a little bit longer um, because the U.S. had no, like we were busting out of the seams, right? All the 24 hour shelters that are um, that are made for this um, they were busting in the seams. So we, the U.S. government and these entities, these nonprofits had to come up with another plan. And so I was in California for a while. My husband was back and forth from Arizona and California. Um, it was all over the news. Like I went to actually quite a few different protests while I was there because I wanted to see what the public was saying, as well as the news media. Um, and if if you're not aware you we had about um and I, I believe it was from like April to about um June because July and August gets too hot, hot to travel through the desert right but you had um we had about a little over 10,000 unaccompanied minors that was the last records i saw and they're predicting that by September of 2021 we're going to have um, over 20,000 unaccompanied minors come through the U.S.-Mexico border. That's insane. Okay. That's insane. Now, 
I'm sure a lot of you have seen, right? The kids in cages is the famous phrase, um, which uh, personally, you're going to get an eye roll from me about that um, because we're so upset about them in cages, but you're not upset about what's happened to them on their trek up here, right? Through their, because most of them come from Central America, like Guatemala, Honduras, places like that, El Salvador. So you're not upset that they made this journey with an adult that's more likely a smuggler, right? A coyote. <laughs> they made this journey, inhumane things happening to them. And then here they're in the U.S. where they actually get fed, shelter, protection, um, so on and so forth. Yes. Do I agree with you? A kid shouldn't be in cages. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is we're picking and choosing what we want to be upset about. And that is where I think people are a walking contradiction, right? And you don't want to be a walking contradiction. You should be, you should be bothered and upset from the beginning of their journey, not when they're here. And this is where, right, the media just irritates the life out of me because they're constantly just sharing their own narrative and to get us constantly to to pit, right, pit, pit us against each other and not looking at the big, big issue of human trafficking that's happening at the border. Hands, hands, hands down. Now, um, you know, one of the things I think that they they pull on our heartstrings by saying, oh, they're all seeking asylum because they're running from gangs. Um, they're going to die in their country. They're running from poverty, so on and so forth. Um, and not saying that any of those things are not true. They absolutely are. I've spent time with these um, with unaccompanied minors. And those are some of the stories, but those aren't all the stories. OK, and it's not just a handful. Um, I've sat with kids uh, back in 2014, 2015, and they will tell you, oh, well, we didn't really have much to do. So we thought we'd make this trek. And, um, you know, so and so said it was a cool idea. So we're going to go and so on and so forth. So they're not all running to save their life is what I'm trying to say. And you could give me as much backlash as you want, but um, until you actually sit with these kids and talk with them and they describe their journey and why they came up, you know, you kind of don't have a leg to stand on because that's not what the media is telling you. And I will tell you, um, I've talked to both sides. I've talked to extreme liberals and I've talked to extreme conservatives um, all within this past couple of months about this influx and to really get like where their where their thoughts are. Um, and and in reality, everyone has come back and talked to like the strong empathy that they have for these kids because nobody wants to see that happening to a kid, period. Doesn't matter their color of their skin. Like everybody just wants to make it like it's a race, you know, a race thing. Um, and no, like we have compassion. You don't want to see a kid do that. That's from extreme conservatives and extreme liberals. Um, they're like, but what do we do? Right. What do we do? And I think the only way we're going to do something is when you know that they're smuggling and trafficking children like they we've talked about this. This is a hundred and fifty billion dollar business annually and it's growing. They don't care what your age is. If you can make them money, that's all they literally care about. Now it's, it's a, it's, it's commodity trading, right? It's, it's a business and it's all about the ROI. 
And so I'm going to give you a big trigger warning here. So if there's children in the room, you might want to, you know, get them out. You might need to pause after hearing some of this, um, some of these stories, take care of yourself, do some breath work or go run, walk, kick something, you know, like kickboxing, something along those lines. And then, and then come back and listen, because you're going to want to know what is happening on both sides. Okay. So as I mentioned, um, I've sat, my husband has sat, our friends that we still talk to um, within those organizations have sat with these children. And so we know their stories. They're telling the story. We're not putting any words in their mouth. They're describing their trek. And when you have kids, right, their parents sent them or their guardian sent them and they're elementary age children and they're making this trek all the way through, they experience and witness horrible, inhumane things. One in particular is... Right. We, we've talked about there's a difference between smuggling and, and trafficking. And we think that they just bring them across and then, oop, there you go. That's that's all. But that's not all. OK, this is where the smuggling turns into trafficking. So when they make their destination and or close to their destination. So let's say Mexico, for example, in this particular story, these group of kids, their smuggler brought them to Mexico and now the handoff occurred right to somebody else. This child described how he was in like a barn-like setting with a whole bunch of other kids, like his age, as I mentioned, elementary. And all of these kids, they memorized a number, right? Because when they get to the U.S., that's the number they need to give. um, So the U.S. authorities can call that number. um, And then that's who their guardian will be, right? When they're here in the U.S. So... Um, All these kids have these numbers memorized or they have it physically on them, but majority of them haven't memorized. And so they all call this number, their, their number. And now that smuggler, AKA actually a trafficker is now asking for more money. Those that the parents said, or the guardian said, we'll send you money got to live. The ones who said, we don't have any more money those young children were shot and killed. And again, this is the story of this particular child. So not only did he witness these children being killed right in front of him, but then it was their job to actually go and pick up these lifeless bodies and dispose of them. That is a horrible journey. Yet we're still sending our kids, right? We're, we're still sending our kids to the, to the U.S. What kind of scar, what kind of trauma do you think that that uh, kid is going to have? And, and, and on the flip side, how does that all of a sudden like n- become normal as well, right? Like that kind of violence, that kind of, because it does. When, when you talk to psych, psychologists and psychiatrists and um, law enforcement, and you start to see that these patterns become normal, um, this individual starts looking for that, that violence because one, they've never dealt with it. So, right, they're also acting out. That's another, another piece. So we think that it's just going to go away um, in, in some time, and it doesn't always, especially if you don't get treatment, right? So is it okay that this child is experiencing that? 
So when, when your heart, right, you have this empathy, like, oh my gosh, they're sending kids and they're putting them in cages. You should be outraged that these kids are experiencing death and rape through their whole journey. That is what, where I'm like, where, where is that miss that that's the big missing piece. That's what we should be outraged about. Not saying you can't be outraged about both, but that should make you bad right from the get go. Um, another, another story, another thing that's very common that happens on their trek is these females, right. And, and especially young girls, um, they're kind of already told that you're going to experience rape. And so some of them at this time, they actually started carrying like some condoms with them or money so that they can purchase them. So they can ask the individual like, Hey, can you put this on? Of course, majority of them aren't going to put it on, but they're just trying, I guess, to protect themselves. What do you think that trauma is going to do? Do you think the trauma is taken away and that they're a whole person because they were expecting this to happen at 12 years old, at 14 years old, and they'll take it opposed to giving it to, you know, them moving on to their eight-year-old sister or brother? So is it, is it okay then? Are we able to accept it because they were expecting that their lady parts were the other commodity for them to be able to move forward closer to the U.S. border. I, I, I don't, I don't think that for one, for one moment. Now let's, let's go in another direction. So you have these kids um, and they get put into these 24-hour shelters here in the U.S. Well, a lot of these kids, they are gang members or some of them. Let me, I'll take that back. I'll retract a lot and say some. And in these 24-hour shelters on, on, in these organizations, they're actually looking for some of these, right, to be gang members so that they can then isolate them. Um, but they can't always identify. And so what are they doing? They're recruiting other kids now that they're all in the U.S. So they're recruiting them um, and grooming them and recruiting them to be vicious gang members once now that they're within the U.S., right? And now that you're at like this full capacity again, because like I said, you're about to hit like you're, they predict 20,000 20, um, at least by September. So if you're busting the seams again, there's no way you're going to be able to catch those. There's no way. You're going to, these entities, they're going to fall through the cracks. Okay. And gangs, I'm not talking about just gangs from Central America, gangs, period. Here, this is a business, human trafficking. So even recruiting one gang member, that's another potential trafficker. Like for me, you have to look at it like that. You can't just like separate the two. And those who are in these human trafficking, uh, you know, task force and crime units, they will tell you how the gangs are in human trafficking because it's a business and they get less time than when they traffic drunk, uh, drugs and guns. So even one, right. Even one slipping through the cracks, we're not, we're not doing our job. We're failing because that one trafficker can have a multitude of, um, actual victims. They're not just touching one individual, right? So <laughs> once these kids are in these 24-hour shelters, right, 
they will tell you that they're trying to verify and seeing who the adult, who their new guardian will be here in the U.S. Um, I think we could do a much better job. Obviously, I don't know all of the organizations and how they do that, but there's pretty much a policy and a procedure that you follow because the Office of Refugee Settlement, the federal government office, they do a lot of monitoring and they check to see. So they pretty much have kind of the same policy and procedure across the board um, that they do to verify that these are legitimate legal guardians. Um, But there's definitely no DNA tests at all being done. And again, for me, this is not a political of if you're against the wall or for the wall. This is just more about human life, period. And humanity, whether you are from Central America, humanity, whether you're here from the U.S. or you're in Africa, I don't care. For me, it's humanity, period. So this isn't a political agenda in that space. However, both sides of the aisle should care about this topic, more about humanity. And so right now, the only, I think, airtime when it comes to humanity that we're getting and that we're seeing is just that these kids are in cages. We're not looking at this other major part before they even get to the U.S. And so if we're thinking, well, that's not our problem, we don't have any any say or anything, I don't believe that to be true for one second. Um, and and let me give you let me give you a little bit more, I guess, insight that should still, I guess, make you really, really upset. So once they're identified, right, with a guardian here, um, many, many a times, this is an aunt, an uncle that these nieces and nephews who have come across never even met, right? Because these individuals lived in the U.S. for a really, really long time. So there are like literally tons and tons of incidences and uh, stories where these adults who live in the U.S., they actually have debt. And I don't mean debt like a loan or a credit card, but they have debt to some criminalized activity and and individuals that we would label as criminals. Um, And a lot of them are still from South America themselves, but they have counterparts here in the U.S. And so they have this big debt. So they're in debt bondage is what you call that in the human trafficking space. So what do they do? Well, now they just got, right, a, a child that they've never met before. And I, I know that may be hard to believe, like, how can you sell your own family member? But it happens all the time. And if they're threatening you, right, your debt collector if they're threatening you and your life and your own family, like your own children, right? And wife or husband or what have you, what are you going to do? They give up that child. So now their debt is cleared. Okay. It's a commodity. Like I keep saying, you got to keep looking at it like that because we're trying to put empathy in our heart and and us, what we would do. Um, but when you flip it to a business, They don't see human life. They see a commodity. So there, there's that debt bondage. So that kid, that unaccompanied minor that just came across, they verified that this is their new guardian. um, And boom, now their debt has been paid and that child now belongs to a trafficker. Other incidences happen where um, this child, unaccompanied minor comes across. They find their family member and now they live with that family member. 
but that is now, they become now where it's domestic servitude. So that is another form of human trafficking. And basically what that means is, um, so let's just say it's a 15 year old female and she's an accompanied minor. She comes and lives with family members and she becomes basically an in-house maid and babysitter who never gets paid, who never gets to go out and see light um, is another example. Like all they do is stay in the house. Don't go to school. Their job is to domestic servitude, right? They're basically like an in-house kind of slave. That's it. Hands down. So we're mad and we're upset as you should be that they're in cages. So they're trying to pump them out and get them, you know, to who they need to go to. Yet there is no checking after that. We don't really have policies and strong enforced policies and procedures where these unaccompanied minors, we know their whereabouts and we are checking on the welfare of that child like we do here in the U.S., right? And we already know there's cracks in that system too, but we're not doing that. So we have no idea what's going on, none. And here, once again, those traffickers win. All day long, they're winning because us, the community, are not as involved as we need to be. And we're not as furious and saying like, this is not okay. And we're not realizing that this is another form of, of, of human trafficking. That's just it. So these kids are, well, I'm going to put something out there. So if you, a U.S. citizen, right, let's say a couple, husband and wife, and they send their 10-year-old on a trek across, um, across the U.S. with a stranger, the stranger's like, oh, hey, I'll take them to, you know, um, to the East Coast for you and you live on the West Coast. I'll do that. Okay, you'll do that. Great. Cause I can't, cause I work. So you're gonna, you're gonna take my kid. Great. Here's some money. Um, here's money for the travel and for, for food. Thank you so much. Call me when you get there. And along the way, that individual who you trusted with your child raped, tortured, and now maybe holding them for ransom. What would happen to you? (laughs) Let me tell you, not only with law enforcement, and I can't imagine how many charges you'll actually write, pick up for that, but CPS or Child Protective Services will snatch your kids away from you so fast because they will say that you neglected and you abused your kid. That will totally happen. Yet, we're saying because you're impoverished, in Central America, um, it's okay to send your kid unprotected. And we don't want to call that abuse and neglect, right? So again, I am not saying that these are bad parents. I'm not saying that they don't have any other choices. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just trying to help you look from a different perspective and especially from the predator, right? Because these predators are taking them. These predators, they see that as like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. This is so easy. They are literally here on a silver platter for us. And the American public is not mad or upset at all whatsoever because now they're just out of cages. It should infuriate you that we don't have policies and procedures in place from before they get here 
right? Because we work and trade with countries all day long. So what do we have in place? If you didn't like the Trump policy, I, I don't care. So what policy can we have, right? Not having any or um, it, so again, this is for both both political sides to come together and be infuriated from the beginning all the way to the end. Because now once they're in the U.S., that the, those children are like our responsibility, like they would be with any other parent, right? And U.S. kid. And yet we don't check on their well-being at all whatsoever. So traffickers, these border pimps don't care. And so my question is putting your child through this rape, torture, killing, witnessing of murder, nonstop trauma, right? Is that okay? Or, or are we really saying like they had no other choice but to send their kid? And I think this is where, right, you have the scale and you're weighing out kind of like the pros and cons. So, hmm, my kid might potentially die here in my country through maybe lack of food or a gang threaten them or something along those lines. Or I send them on this long journey all by themselves and... Same thing. They could die along the way, could never hear from them or know what's going on. And is that the price that we pay for the freedom that we have here in the U.S., right? Like that is, I, I'm not saying this is so easy to say, boom, here's the answer. I'm not saying that. But I want you to look and I want you to pay attention that they're lying to us when they're saying that trafficking does not happen at the border. Because if a conservative says it, people get mad. Because a liberal says it, then people get mad. You need to delete all of that. And you need to just look at humanity in general. Where are the policies in place? How are we not? Or what do we need to enforce to protect these kids from these traffickers? Because they're being trafficked. They're being smuggled. But then there's some trafficking, right? There's that gray area. And it happens because we hear the stories from these kids. And they don't know what trafficking is. So what they describe is spot on. It's not what the news is telling me. It's what I've heard myself when I've worked with these children, when I've worked with these organizations and what I've seen not in force. So I'm just saying you shouldn't be just mad <laughs> that these kids are in cages. You should be infuriated that our lack of enforcing policies and procedures is allowing these border pimps, these border traffickers to succeed and exploit and rape and murder children. It's completely inhumane. And yet we just want them out of cages. You got to look at the big picture and you have to look at, um, you, you can't just be fed what the news is telling you, right? Because they're missing so many parts, so many parts. And yes, do they also interview people who talk about how horrible their country is and they're here to, you know, get a better life? Absolutely. My question is, though, at what cost? Right. At what cost? Because if now those kids are with their new guardian here in the U.S. or maybe with their mom or their dad. Right. The other part of their family. What help are they getting from all that trauma? And then teachers see it in the school and they don't know how to deal with it because they don't know their their history either. Right. Fighting gangs, dropouts, prison, like all of that starts to lead to it. It's not because of just the color of their skin. It's because of things that they've experienced that no one's addressed. 
And so you get those emotional, right, issues. So this is a huge problem with human trafficking. And this is, this is one of those things where I constantly say is we think because we're in our bubble that no, we'll never interact. But look at that. Your kids are going to go to school with kids who experience that. And then if they got into the gang and then they're just recruiting other kids their age, not just to be in the gang, but to actually, uh, you know, become a victim of human trafficking because now they're going to pimp them out. Like it is literally the web stretches so far. Every one of us is affected in some way, shape or form. Now, these 24 hour shelters, it really is your taxpayer money that is paying for all of it. So you should question and you should ask, what is my money going to? How do you follow up? How do you verify with these kids? Don't take the media's uh, word for it. Call them. Call the Office of Refugee and Resettlement. Ask them. Because it's all of our money that pays for all of those salaries and pays for all of those shelters. Now, those shelters... The positive part of them is these kids can't go to prison, right? Because they're kids. Um, there was a lawsuit a long time ago. So hence why these 24-hour shelters were invented. They're like, hey, when kids come across, we can't send them to prison. We, we got to keep these kids safe. So these 24-hour shelters are there for them. And thank God they are there. They feed them. They clothe them. They have counselors for them. Uh, but this is all short term, right? They give them dental health. Um, they give them vaccinations. They give them, um, they help the youth who are pregnant. Um, so there's tons of great things for these kids to feel safe, but it's all short term. And like I said, once they hand them off, we don't have a lot of info and there aren't enforced policies and procedures where we know what's happening to the well-being of these kids. And yet we hear them, how they were an accompanied minor, they came across, they lived with their family member, and they were a victim of domestic servitude, or um, then they got caught up in a trafficking sting um, operation, and they were rescued, and lo and behold, they were an unaccompanied minor. We can't, we can't allow this to continue to happen. So they should be answering us in regards to what is happening with these kids from the start to the end. And it's not okay to just say, well, you know, they're with their guardian now. Well, no, we can't say that. So again, this isn't a for the border or for the border wall against the border wall. It's not that. This is about human life. And these children, if they become into, if they come into the U.S., they are now, I believe, our responsibility. And we need to make sure that they do not become, come into the hands of traffickers, whether they're related to them or not related to them. And we have to do a better job. And you should be pissed that these kids are experiencing what they experience from the beginning of their trek. And we can't make the excuse either of, well, you know, this was better than them staying in their country. It's not. And all these NGOs and nonprofits that have the connections with all these people in Central America and Mexico, what are you doing to strengthen to make sure these kids are being protected right from the start, right when they leave their country? See what I mean? It's such a bigger issue, yet it is happening in our backyard. 
but it's also international. So we have to get involved so that we can make a difference and we can fight this. So the call to action for today is really call these organizations. They're all along the border. They're also in Northern California. So don't just think it's just the Mexico, U.S. They come through ports as well, right, from um, uh, Asian uh, Asian countries, African countries, uh, Middle Eastern countries, they, they come across regardless. We just give all the highlights on the U.S.-Mexico border because that's the, the huge influx, but it still happens on the border. So call these organizations, ask them, ask them, like, what is the policies and procedure? How do you verify that these kids belong to this family member? Because you're trying to prevent human trafficking, Right. Call your representatives and say, hey, uh, my money's going here. So how are we protecting these kids from start to finish? Like, I need to know about it. And they should answer you. So some of these big ones out there um, is BCFS. That used to stand for like Baptist Child and Family Services. They're real big. Southwest Key Programs is really big. Um, The Office of Refugee Settlement. Um, Those are some big ones. But look at your local areas as well, especially if you live um, near a port or a border, um, ask them because they need to start answering and we can't just keep pushing it off for the next influx because what's going to happen to these 20,000 kids that are here? Let's just say even half. Let's just say 10,000 kids. Is it okay then? Is it okay if only 200 get trafficked? Like what's your number? Because my number is zero. I don't think any kids should be trafficked. And especially if they're here on our soil, um, we're either a contributor or a protector of that. So call to action, look these up, see what we could do about it. Get knowledgeable because this is a problem. They are border pimps. They are traffickers. Even if it just takes one. So thanks so much. And we look forward to seeing y'all next time. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.